check, check one, two. Live in the system? Yeah? How are we doing this morning? Yeah? It was like sub, you know, subish. We're like doing all right, right? Well, it's good to have you in the house this morning. Uh, fathers, it's fun being a dad. How many of you dads like being a dad? Okay, that's what I'm talking about. Strong representation. We got an opportunity to uh, raise up some, I think as David in the Psalms puts it, arrows. Uh, he says, blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them, and everybody's quiver is different sizes, so that doesn't mean you got to have like 30 arrows. You could have one, and it could be a solid arrow. You could have two or three, if you've ever seen, uh, is it Lord of the Rings, right? Or The Hobbit, right? He's got that one black arrow, takes out, it's just, you just need one, right? Uh, or three or five, if you're the Matthews family. We had uh, some graduates this uh, morning. It's exciting. It's exciting. It's a lo- I love being a dad. Um, I think probably some of the best sermon illustrations come for being a dad. Uh, just, just to say, my kids, if there's anything you laugh at this morning, it's probably because of them, uh, because they're awesome. And uh, so I just love, I love being a dad. There's lots of opportunity for me to personally grow, but also I get the opportunity to, to make disciples. That's what it's all about. <laughs> so before uh, I get tear, tear out here, um, we're still in the Acts series. So if you've been following us, if you've been tracking with us, we've been going through the book of Acts. Um, Jesus, he takes his disciples and he takes them through like a 40-day training seminar. And then he's like, hey, go and wait, get filled with power, go out in the power of the Holy Spirit, and let's make some disciples, right? So disciple-making starts with us husbands discipling our wives, washing them in the word. That's, that's where it starts. It starts at home. Our number one disciple, husbands, is our wives. Um, and then our kids, that's number two. And then from there, it branches out. So there's opportunity to father other men, other opportunities to be discipled by others. Uh, that's part of my story is I've, you know, and I'll share some of that in a little bit. So anyway, um, this morning, our text is Acts 6, 8 through 15. And, uh, and we're just going to read the verses as they come up. I'm not going to read the whole passage, but uh, that's where we're going to be at this morning. And it's the section that's going to cover Stephen and, uh, and how he ends up in the position he ends up to be in. And then Nick will kind of preach on his sermon next week. Um, so this this morning, I've got, I think, Ephesians 1.17 is our first slide. And church, I just want us to, I, this is not exactly, this is kind of like a, do you guys ever take scripture and to get it in your hearts? There's a couple of ways to do that. Um, read it, write it out, say it, pray it, sing it. That's my five things to get scripture in me. So if you want to get scripture in you, the word of God, you want that hidden in your heart so you might not sin against the Lord, it might be a lamp to your feet. Read it, write it out, say it out loud sing it and pray it. And so this is a prayer I just kind of wrote out from Ephesians 1 verse 17. It's something that I've been praying over my life for probably a decade now or more. It's something that I've taught my children to pray. Um, it's something that is super important because we need the Holy Spirit to give us revelation or illumination of what Jesus taught, right? Of the scripture. So why don't you pray this with me? And, uh, and, and so let's pray this together. Father, you are glorious. We ask you for the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, our Lord. I love this prayer. Paul prays this prayer with the Ephesians because he wants them to have a spirit of wisdom and revelation. We need the spirit of God revealing. So that's what we're doing this morning. We're inviting God's spirit. Um, so I think I've accomplished my two first points here. Lead us in prayer. Let's ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom and revelation and, uh, and, and talk about being a dad. And we'll talk about that some more, right? So that said, uh, verse eight, and Stephen full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Why don't you guys read this with me? And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. I love this. The first thing that kind of stuck out to me as, uh, as I was kind of meditating on this is fullness, right? He was full. He wasn't empty, right? He was operating in fullness. 
And so it begs the question is, how do we get full? How do we operate in a fullness of our life? I don't know about you all, but I felt what it feels like to operate on empty, and it's terrible, like, right? And, uh, and, and I, have a, I have a Prius, and uh, Prius is like, you know, you think they don't run out of gas. Well, there's been, I've, it's just terrible, but just so you get to know me, okay, I'm going to be real and honest with you. My wife can attest to this. Uh, I've run out of gas in the Prius, not just once, but multiple times. And uh, it is a harrowing experience. I drive a lot for a living. I'm in sales, so I drive all over the place. And you just ask, like, how, Joe, did you imagine to do that? Well, you get busy. You get so busy. You get so distracted. And in my mind, I'm like, I got a million other things to do. Putting gas in the car is not the most important thing. My priest can go forever. And that's not the case. Um, I've demonstrated that multiple times. And, uh, and I, I share that with you just so you know, I'm, I'm like a real person. And, um, and I run into scenarios where I need, I need God's help. And, uh, and that was something that last night as I was praying and preparing, we, we need God's help. We need to get full. And then my question is, is where are we getting full? It says that he was full of grace and power. So if we take our cues from Jesus, and do you remember that story where he's like walking to go heal, heal somebody? And this lady comes up behind him, touches the fringe on his garment, right? And he feels the power leave him. So that means that Jesus had to get full somewhere and that he was full of power. And occasionally when that power got used up, he had to go get filled up again, right? So he is having to commune with the Father so that he can do the work that's assigned, right? Like Jesus didn't just like randomly pick assignments. He spent time with the Father. He heard what the Father said to do. He got filled up and then he went out and did it. Does that make sense? And that's what, so, so that's what Stephen's doing here, right? So it's the same spiritually. We need a life source. Uh, John 15, 1 talks a lot about this, uh, about being in the vine. We need a life source because we're branches that have been grafted in and we've got to get our life source to bear what? Fruit. Fruit, right? Fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. Peace, like, like, I think this is the one thing about fruit. Do we get to choose when the fruit gets picked? So I, I don't think so. I don't think we get to choose when the fruit gets picked. So if my kid needs patience, I don't get to choose when he gets some patience from me because he's a child and he'll come up to me and he'll say, scream, right? And then I get the opportunity to either let him pick that patience from me or he's going to maybe get something that's, that's nasty fruit, right? We've all been there. If you have children, if you haven't, just look to your left if you're married. And then if you're not, think about your brothers and sisters. Like it, it's there, right? Opportunity. So we don't really get to choose when the fruit gets picked. And so we want to be getting filled up. We want to be in the vine so that when people need some peace or some patience from us or some love, it'll come out naturally. Does that make sense? So just think about that, chew on that. Um, because we can't give out what we don't actually have. So how could I give out the love of God if I'm not receiving the love of God, right? And we got to get the love somewhere. And so we can get love from a lot of different places. We can get uh, satisfied from a lot of different places. There's, there's a lot of places to get satisfied, right? Does anybody have a smartphone in their pocket somewhere? Like, right, we can get a lot of satisfaction just through this device, right? Whether it's scrolling the feed or filling up on news or whatever it is. There's also the Bible app, so that could help maybe get some good uh, satisfaction. But there's only one place, there's only one well, there's only one source that brings life that we could actually give out to others. And so a good litmus test is, is when you're running out of the house, to the thing you got to get to and you're maybe running late or even ahead of schedule. What's your posture in your heart? What are you offering out as you're running out? That's always like the litmus test for me. Like when we're trying to get into the car, go somewhere, like how am I responding to everybody in the situation? Am I being harsh? Am I being, am I excited? Am I loving my kids when they like still can't tie their shoes yet? Right? Like, come on, man. Like there's zippers on the side. Like we tied this thing in a double knot. Like how, like what am I offering in that moment? Right? And so that's a good litmus test. And so Stephen is full of two things. He's full of grace. And grace, I tried to put some sort of definition up there. We can always write something out in notes, but uh, it's just unmerited favor. 
It's the, base, it's, it's the basis, right, of our salvation. So grace is the basis of salvation. Justification, that's another big word, right? It's basically election, faith, spiritual gifts. This is all the basis of these things is where grace is the base of them, right? Faith, it's the base of faith. It's the basis of spiritual gifts, right? And basically it's God gives us what we don't deserve. How many of you are familiar with grace? Have you heard this definition of grace before? Yes, yes, not, okay, okay, awesome. I think it's hard sometimes to understand what grace is. I'm sure there's books that could unpack it for decades. I think, you know, that's the beautiful thing about God, right? He's, he's so huge. We could, answer, we could under, uncover something new about him every day. And so in Lamentations, it talks about, right, his mercies are new every day. Mercy, God doesn't give us what we deserve. What do we deserve? Judgment, death. There's always that classic argument, right? Like, why, does, why do evil things happen to good people? There are no good people. Just start there and kind of work your way through that, right? None of us is good, not one right? We've all fallen. We're all sinful beings. And we love to kind of try to balance the scale. If I do enough good stuff over here, then it'll leave. No, that's, that's not the case. Like there is, none of us are good, not one of us. And so mercy is God doesn't give us what we deserve, which is death. But grace is he gives us what we don't deserve. So he gives us something that we don't deserve. We don't deserve Jesus. I don't deserve Jesus. I don't deserve the sacrifice he made for me on the cross. Would you all agree with me? Do you deserve it? No, we don't deserve it. And he gives us grace. He gives us this unmerited favor. And so it says Stephen was full of grace. Now, grace isn't licensed. It's not just like, hey, free pass. Got to do, I can do whatever I want, right? God's going to save me. Jesus saved me. Agreed. The only way I'm getting into heaven is through Jesus Christ, Christ alone. That's it. He saved me. Now, when I arrive, I'm going to be held accountable for the things that he gave for me to do through his grace. See, it's grace that doesn't just license us to kind of live however we want. It's grace that empowers us to walk the way that Jesus is calling us to walk. Is, it, is following Jesus easy? No, it's, it's like super hard. Just if we're going to be real honest, like following Jesus is, is hard. It's difficult, especially like in the culture in the day in which we live in. It's difficult. There's so many things fighting for my attention. Would you all agree? Again, just I gotta, all I got to do is pull my cell phone, Right buzz here, tweet there. Like there's stuff pulling for my attention all the time. And so the grace of God looks like God giving me the gift of his help and the endurance, the ability to do the things, the assignments. We all have an assignment in this room. Do you all agree with me? Okay. And if, if you're curious as to what the assignment is, it's to make disciples of all nations, tribes, and tongues. He commissioned them to go out. Now that all looks different for us. We've all got different Assignment specifically that the Lord will highlight. Some of us right now, it's uh, graduating college and, uh, and going on to a new assignment. So Caleb's in the Valley of Decision right now, right? Are you in the Valley of Decision? Are you like wondering what you're going to do with the rest of your life? Good thing is you don't have to figure it out all right now. The Holy Spirit is really good. And he just gives us what? The next step, right? The next step. So we all have different assignments. We're all in different places in life. So let's take our cues from the Lord and let's ask him to fill us up with grace it's by grace that I can walk with him, right? So grace isn't licensed to just do whatever I want, eat, drink, and be merry. God will figure it out. It's the, it's the ability, right? It's, the, it's that unmerited favor that comes on me to be able to walk out the assignment he has for me, right? So just ask the Lord, what's my assignment? What kind of grace do you want to give to me? Um, so Isaiah 26, 11. This, this passage of scripture has been really dear to my heart this last year. Isaiah chapter 26. I think it's going to be up here on the screen, verse 11. And uh, when I got to verse 11, I've been really meditating on this verse for a while. Um, probably like a month now, just really kind of dialing in, like, what does this mean? And uh, the verse says, it says, Oh Lord, you will ordain or establish. I'm just going to read it to you. Oh Lord, you will ordain or establish for us 
for indeed peace. So he says he's going to ordain or establish peace for us is the verse. So it's Isaiah 26, 11, feel free to look it up. For you indeed have done for us all our works. And I, I just, I can't really comprehend how, like he, he, he invites me into partnership. He gives me the favor that I don't deserve. And then he does all the work that he wants to do through my life, like for me. So like part of us could be like, well, if he's going to do it all, let's just check out and call it a day. But that's not the reality because he wants to do it in partnership with us. Yet he's the one who, who does it. And it's just like weird mystery. And I've been like, it's just been wrecking me lately because anytime I see something good that the Lord does in my life, I can only just point back to him and be like, actually, Lord, that was kind of you. I, I may have been like, you might have involved me in this process, but really it was you working through, right? We're to be conduits. We're to be full because if you're full of something, then what's going to happen? It's going to be poured out, right? So we get full so we can pour out. Is this an, are you tracking? How are you feeling about this? Good? So, so a couple of things here. Um, he's full of grace and then he's full of power. So, right, so we need God's grace to do the assignment that he's calling us to. And then we need power, right? Because like how much, how, how much, I don't, I'm trying to think like, as I was like digging through this, um, and I'll just read the scriptures that came to mind. But um, when, when he's commissioning the disciples in Acts 1 verse 8, he says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. We need God's power, like, to be able to accomplish the assignments he has for us because we can't do it in our own strength. Does that make sense? Like if we're trying, like, okay, God says, hey, this is what I'm gonna do. And I think a classic example that really hits home for me is, is the story of Joseph. And I think we all know it well. And obviously it resonates with me because my name is Joseph. So I really love that story. Um, but like the Lord spoke to Joseph early on what his assignment was. Like your brother's gonna bow before you and everybody got really jealous and angry at him, right? Like he probably shouldn't have shared that. Like he probably should have kept that one in the journal. Like he probably shouldn't have read that one out loud at the dinner table, right? Like that just wasn't a good move. But anyway, the Lord, he, he brings his assignment to fruition and he does it. He accomplishes it. So I think that's where when we say full of power. We want to be operating in the power of God's spirit because it'll happen in the way that it should happen. And it'll, it'll kind of remove some of the obstacles. Does that make sense? So if I'm operating in my own strength, right? I'm striving in my own strength. I'm doing stuff in my own strength. The job may get done, but I, I guarantee you it's going to take a lot longer to get done. Have, have you all ever felt those moments? Because I have. There's moments like when I'm trying to do a project around the house and I'm like, I'm not the most handy guy. Um, and just to give you a, an awesome example, when we were putting um, insulation, we did insulation in our house. Um, we did it in the summer in July. It was 99 degrees. Um, my two brother-in-laws willingly came up, had a hazmat suit on, and I'm sweating profusely in my attic. We had to suck all the old insulation out and we had to put the new insulation in. And it was a project, it was a task. So it was a lot of fun. During this process, I don't say it was a lot of fun. I'll probably never do it in my life again, but we did it, we did it, okay? And uh, we blew all the new insulation. But in the process, we, uh, we managed to like, well, my brother-in-law, his knee went through the, the roof in, or the ceiling in our bedroom. So we have this nice little crack in the ceiling. David, how long is it span? It was like six feet maybe. Anyway, um, so that crack's been there for about 11 months. And uh, so that shows you how handy I am. Thankfully, Brother David, he bailed me out this weekend. Um, came over and we, we patched that thing up. But like, I needed some help. And so I was just kind of sitting around, not doing anything about it when I could have been doing something about it. And then I had to call in a, a favor. And I think what I'm trying to demonstrate here is that sometimes we need help and we're not willing to ask for it. And when the power of God comes, the power of God came in the form of power tools and some real genius ways to put this crack back together and spackle back together. So praise God. It was an answer to prayer. 
But I think what I'm trying to illustrate here is that we need help sometimes. And if we ask the Lord for help, he can come with a great solution to help us solve problems that are way harder than, maybe they're bigger in our mind than we realize. Does that make sense? So full of grace and power, probably spent way too much time thinking about this, but that's kind of what was sticking out to me. So here's, here's Stephen, he's, he's operating in, uh, in grace and power, and it says he was doing wonders and signs, healings and miracles. So just think, if we were all filled up with the Holy Spirit and grace and power, and we were going out, and we were living like this, what the world would be like around us. Have you guys ever imagined that? Like what it would be like? Um, what would Alexandria look like if the 75 of us here in this room began to go out and operate in grace and in power consistently, getting filled up with God and then going out and operate? I think the world around us would look a lot different, right? Our workplaces would look a lot different. Our families might operate and interact a lot differently. And so I just wanted to ask the Holy Spirit, like, would you just help us to see... Um, what you're doing, where you're doing it, and how you're doing it, so that we could be operating in that power. Because I don't want to like go out. I think a good example of this is we've got an outreach team, right? And so our goal is to we want to reach this pizza pizza pie as a church, right? You all agree you all with me? Those of you in this room, might, some of us are part of the outreach team. We're all on outreach. We're all on assignment. We've got an assignment here. The assignment is the pizza pie. We've determined that. There's the Northern Ju- Juvenile Detention Center. I think I shared about that last week. There's an opportunity to serve there. There's an opportunity to serve at the school down the road. So there's all these opportunities. And so we want to be filled up with grace and power. And we want to be going out and seeing God do wonders and signs. And a wonder and sign might be someone just coming to faith. A wonder and sign might be someone coming to prayer night or to community group or to church. Or it could look like we pray for someone and they get healed. So that's the, we want to see these wonders and signs happening. And um, I guess we would just ask the Holy Spirit to reveal where they're happening. And then the last thing here that, 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 that Stephen's doing, he's, he's among the people. So Stephen's not just like hanging out in the synagogue, although in this chapter he is, but he was doing those signs and wonders that says among the people. Does that make sense? So he's not just like coming to church to do wonders and signs. He's like out, the previous chapter, he was selected to be the one who went out and distributed bread to the widows to make sure everybody got enough of what was being shared among the people. Do you all remember that part of the scripture? And, um, and so he's out there just like dishing out some bread and, and then someone, he sees, okay, this person's sick, right? This widow or this orphan or this person's sick. So I'm going to pray for him and boom, they get healed, right? So he's just out doing the normal day in and day out. And I think that's the assignment we all have, right? We all have a people in a place, a workplace, whether it's a home. For those of you moms who are on assignment right now in your home, that is a critical mission, critical mission, critical mission. I think some of you need to hear that this morning. It's a critical mission. Number one disciples in our homes. You have children and your mom. Critical mission, mission critical. Can't say it enough. So you're among the people. Sometimes your people are the little people, right? Sometimes they're the big people at coworkers, right? The coworkers, I've got a couple coworkers, right? That, that I'm working with that, that need to hear the love of Jesus, need to experience that. And so he wasn't in the church doing these things. Yeah, he was going back and he was getting filled up, getting community, right? But then we need to be among the people. We need to look for opportunities everywhere we go. And it starts at home. I can't, I just feel like the Holy Spirit's really highlighting that this morning. It starts in our homes. It starts in our marriages. It starts with our kids. That's where the start, the change starts. It has to start in our home. It has to. Because if it doesn't start there, there's, there's no chance that it'll impact us here in the church or in the city or even regionally. Like it has to start cultivating that intimacy that filled up with grace and power in our homes and, uh, and there's grace to do it. I think that's the beautiful thing. There is a grace. Verse 9. So I'm going to move on. Sound good? <laughs> 
So verse nine, it says, there are some of those who belong to the synagogue of freedmen, as it was called, and of the Cyrenians and of the Alexandrians and of those from Sicilia and Asia rose up and disputed with Stephen. Who are these guys? So they're, they're freed Jews. They're Jews that have been freed. So they may have been indentured into a Jewish family and then they got free. And uh, through their service, they've earned that. Uh, you see that biblical precedent throughout uh, the Old Testament. And so they're from various regions. And the NIV puts it, they begin to argue with Stephen. So they begin to argue and dispute. It doesn't say what they're disputing and arguing, but from the following text that Nick will preach next week, we can probably guess there's probably some things in there. And, uh, and so one of the guys at our uh, Wednesdays with the Word on thir- Wednesdays at 6 a.m., there's some guys, we get together, we pour over the text. And uh, gentlemen, ladies, you know, you're always welcome. Um, it's an early start, but um, they stated the subtle truth that it says they belonged to the synagogue. And so at first glance, like, yeah, okay, they were identifying with this, but they were, they were, it's like, it's like they were identifying with the synagogue and the church and the traditions over like, like their allegiance to Jesus and to, to God. And I think it's kind of like the point that was coming out in this group. And so I just think about that today. Like we see that in the church today, right? Like we identify as evangelical reformed or Acts 29 or Baptist or Lutheran or Methodist, right? We're so, we get, we get stuck, I think, sometimes on the terminology and identifying with our synagogue, our local expression of church versus just identifying with Jesus. Like actually, we're just servants of the king. Like we're just servants of Jesus. That's, that's where identity, I think, should be. And I think we've got we to be careful that we don't identify with traditions and with specific veins and distinctives more than we do with just Jesus. Does that make sense? Have you all ever seen that? I think, I mean, I see it even sometimes in my own life. So we have a mandate, we have a mission, and we can't, we can't be distracted by trying to find our identity in something that it's not. And so um, that was just something that kind of stuck out to me. They're having this dispute. And then in verse 10, it says, they can't withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. So they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. And um, it just kind of took me back to Jesus. So, so this idea of, I don't, know, I don't know if you all read Matthew 21 through 22. He's dis- the Sadducees come to him, right? And then the Pharisees come to him. All the religious leaders, they come to him and they're trying to trap him, right? They're trying to ask him these questions, right? Like if this, if this man dies and then get, this lady has to remarry and she remarries seven times, like whose husband will be her husband when he gets in heaven, right? They're giving him all these, like they're trying to lay traps, right? And every time Jesus is like, boom, and they're like, ah, silence, can't say anything. That's, you know. And at the end of that passage, it says um, about Jesus, it says that, that no one was able to answer him a word and then from that day, no one dared to ask him any more questions. Like he put all their questions to rest. So I imagine like, this is just what it made me think of is like, these guys couldn't withstand this, the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. And, uh, and I guess we just have to ask that question. Where did Stephen get this wisdom? What is wisdom, right? We look at the, the, the word, uh, it's Sophia, it's the highest intellectual. Um, it's comprehensive into the ways and purposes of God. Basically, it's like, it's what we need in our hearts and our minds to conduct life, right? So like knowledge is awesome. We want to fill up, we want to get some knowledge. We want to get some understanding how that knowledge works. I try to explain this to my kids like, hey, knowledge is like, here's your numbers, one through 10. Some understanding is like, here's how numbers work together. One plus one equals two. Now wisdom is like, hey, I need to fix my ceiling. How far apart are each of these things? And I'm going to use that knowledge and that understanding. And then David's going to lay some wisdom on me. He's going to help me fix my ceiling. Like that's what I, that's what I, that's, I think that's the outworking of it, right? We want to, we want to get the knowledge in us, right? So Stephen, he, he knew the word of God, right? He had an understanding of, of the things of God. And then he began to 
these guys came up and they're like, they're picking a fight with them, right? They're going to argue with them because why? They're probably jealous, right? Like, think about it. Stephen's out here. He's operating in grace and power. He's got a smile on his face. He's super excited. He's praying for the sick. They're getting healed. He's laying hands on people. They're getting saved, right? Maybe delivered from some demonic oppression, anxiety, whatever the, the issues are. And these guys are like, whoa. Like, so they're like, well, that's not biblical, Stephen. That, that's not, that, you know, they're just going to argue, right? They're going to dispute. And so he's, he has the knowledge of who God is. He has an understanding of God's ways. And, and then it just becomes to come out in his answers. And he's just answering back. They can't, they can't refute him. And, uh, and he's not doing it to gain any, um, like, notoriety. They're, they're attacking him, right? And so he's responding in a spirit of grace, right? He's full of grace. He's full of power. So he's going to respond with grace. He's going to respond with power. And then he's also going to respond filled up with the Holy Spirit. And so wisdom, huh, I just can't but not think of Proverbs. There's so much in Proverbs about wisdom. Do you all read Proverbs? There's just so much in there about wisdom. I love it. And I'm just going to share a couple of things. It says um, Solomon, he wrote most of the Proverbs, and he commands his son to get it. There's a blessing there. Proverbs 3, 13, 18, it says there's a blessing in getting wisdom. Um, it must be found. It must be sought after. Getting wisdom takes work. It takes effort. It takes experience of life. It says it's that the Lord founded the earth through wisdom. Solomon says that wisdom is the beginning. Um, it's, it's the beginning of wisdom is this, Proverbs 4.7. And he says to get it, to prize it, to place a high value on it, to attend to it, to be attentive to it, to be awake to it. So all that to say, wisdom takes work. We got to get it. And there's a lot that comes with it. And at the end of the day, we see that Jesus is the incarnate wisdom. And so really, if we're seeking after wisdom, we're really just seeking after Jesus because Jesus has all the wisdom. He is perfect wisdom. He's the word incarnate, right? John 1.1, 1, 1. he's the word incarnate. And so he is wisdom. So when I say get wisdom, we just need to get what? Jesus. We just need to get more of Jesus. Like if I can't solve a problem or I got a relational issue or I got some anxiety in my heart, Let's get Jesus. Like, let's make him the center. I don't think I'm ever going to have a, more of a message than just get Jesus. And like, how do we do that? That's the, that's the piece of it. We get it by being in community together. We get it by going to the word. And, uh, and then it says that he was, they couldn't stand, withstand the spirit with which he was operating. And in John 16, 13 through 15, it says, Jesus said, he was preparing his disciples. He just says, when the spirit of truth comes, he'll guide you into truth. For he won't speak on his own authority. Whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are come. So the Holy Spirit comes, and he declares the things to us that are to come. It says that he will glorify me, right? Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes. He puts the, he puts the flashlight, if you will, on Jesus. He says, look at Jesus. Look how beautiful he is, right? If we ever go to the Holy Spirit and say, hey, Holy Spirit, what do I do? Let me, let me share with you, right? He'll give us maybe some practical tips. That's words of wisdom, words of knowledge, right? Um, but he's always pointing us back to Jesus, for he will take what is mine, the words that he's given me, and he'll declare it to you. And I love this last bit. It says, all that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and he'll declare it to you. The Holy Spirit comes, and that's the spirit I think that Stephen was operating in. It says that they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was operating. He, the Holy Spirit was reminding Stephen of the words that Jesus had spoken, right? He was probably even out of, I don't know if Stephen followed Jesus around during his time, but I imagine he was probably there at some point. And He's probably remembering these moments where Jesus was, or at least this prayer, right? Where the Holy Spirit will come and he'll guide you. Does that make sense? Track with me. So a takeaway here would be, if you're having a hard time finding that right Lego in the Lego bin, 
just ask the Holy Spirit. Yesterday, we were like, Legos, I love them. Like, we got, we got our fours, literally Legos right now in my son's room. And, uh, and like, the pieces are all mixed together. And you're just looking for that one little tiny two brick. And it is so hard to find. And, um, and so I'm just like, Holy Spirit, can you help me find this brick, man? <laughs> and then, boom, it happens. And so I said that the other day. And so I come back in the room. This is yesterday. And, uh, and my son, he, he goes to me, Dad, I'm looking for this piece. And, uh, and I couldn't find it. I, was, I, I just remember what, you, what we did last time. I said, the Holy Spirit can help me find it. And then I found it right away. We can, we can disciple and we can teach our children. We can teach each other in the, just the normal mundane light moments of building Legos. How about that? How about that? Come on, Holy Spirit, right? I lose my keys all the time. Finally got a tile. Okay. That way I can, I can ping my key. But there were some times when I couldn't find my keys. And Holy Spirit, can you help me find it? Can you help me find the remote? The remote has not shown up. So if anybody gets a word of wisdom, a prophetic image of where the remote is that has been lost for one year, um, it'll be well worth its weight in, um, in, in something. You, you name it, okay? Yeah, exactly, Lego bricks. And it, it, may be, it may be the Lord's grace that the remote hasn't been found. So we'll leave it at that. Um, but does that, you track with me? So Holy Spirit, he, he does a lot. He can help us just in the little things that we seem like maybe are not that big of a deal. He'll help us. So Verse 11, it says, they secretly instigated men who said, we heard him speak blasphemous things against Moses and God. This is classic, classic, right? Blasphemy, blasphemy. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes and they came upon him and they seized him and they brought this man before the council and they set up false witnesses who said, this man never ceases to speak words against this holy place in the law. For we have heard him say that Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. So classic, quick hit, blasphemy. It's punishable by death. So that's an easy one to go to, right? Because the punishment is death, right? You blaspheme and you're going to die. So it's easy to drum up some witnesses. Um, reminds me of when Jesus, right, is before like the high priest and they're like, hey, find some witnesses. And like, nobody's reliable. And finally, they find a couple guys that are like, these guys are reliable. Liars. Um, so th- so and, and, and that's, you know, that's what they use. Blasphemy, that was the main charge, right? Because He's speaking against the things that we say are that, 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 that are said are important, right? He's saying he's going to tear down the temple. They didn't have the right understanding of what he meant, right? And so they're, they're putting these charges of blasphemy. But this reveals a couple things about how the enemy operates. And I think it's good for us to know that we have, we have a real enemy. You all agree with me? We have a real enemy. And the enemy isn't your neighbor. The enemy is Satan and his demonic forces. And they operate in the heavenly places. And they love to speak lies. And they love to um, mess with us, right? They want to they keep us from getting close to Jesus, right? So I think it's interesting that since the beginning, Satan has been trying to divide God from that which he loves. God didn't have to create us. He created us because he wanted to share communion and community with us. And ever since the beginning, he's been accusing God to us. So Satan comes in the garden, he says, hey, did God really say that? You won't really die. He just doesn't want you to be like him, right? He's accusing God, right? He's, he's, he's not letting us in on the secret. Why? Well, because God made us in his image. And then in that moment, when we step into sin, Adam steps into sin, he begins to accuse us, right? Hey, God, look what, look what Joseph did this week. Look how he got angry and upset. God, look at, uh, look at how anxious he is right now. Oh, oh, look at, like, that's, that's what Satan does. That's like his number one prerogative. It says in, in uh, this is an awesome picture. I encourage you to read it. Zechariah chapter four, or I'm sorry, chapter three, where it says Satan appears before the Lord and he's accusing Joshua. Joshua's a picture of us as leaders, right, as saints. And uh, Joshua's covered in filthy rags. 
And Satan's there just accusing him. I mean, you can even think about the story of Job, right? Satan goes before the Lord and he's like, hey, look at Job. He won't praise you if I take away his stuff. He won't praise you if I make him sick. But anyway, this beautiful picture in Zechariah chapter three, and it says that, that the Lord rebukes Satan. Like rebukes a strong word, right? It's like, get out of here, man. Like, please, like he rebukes him. He says, no. And then he clothes Joshua in white. He clothes us in white. That's what, it's a kind of a picture of what God does. He rebukes the enemy and then he clothes us in white. But we have to listen to him, right? We've got to be full of his spirit. We've got to be in that conversation. And so um, ever since the beginning, there's been false accusations against God. And then when we fall into sin, he's now accusing us to the Lord. And this is the Lord's posture to us. He says, hey, here's my son. I'm going to pay for your debt. I'm going to clothe you in white. I'm going to draw you into fellowship with me. And so we're seeing um, in this chapter a repeat of a couple of things, right? Where Jesus is being um, interrogated, false witnesses coming up. And um, the Lord extends grace to us. Hang with me for just a second. I'm just, I'm just thinking about this. So, um, I'm just thinking about the spirit with which in they're operating. It's a spirit of jealousy and selfish ambition. Do y'all see that? See what's going on here? There's jealousy and selfish ambition. Even in the chapter before this, in chapter four of Acts, we see they're jealous, right, of Peter and the message he's bringing. And, um, Jesus has some strong words for those who are operating in that spirit, who are married to the traditions of men. Um, and James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. I'm just going to read a couple of these verses to us. Is that all right? Um, I didn't put these in my notes, but this is just the chapter that's really coming to me. We're talking about wisdom. Um, he says in James chapter 3, verse 13, feel free to write this reference down. Let's go back to it later. It says, He who is wise and understanding among you. By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not wisdom that comes down from above. So these guys are operating in a spirit of jealousy and selfish ambition. They're not oper they're operating in the wisdom of what the world, we kind of put it there. They're not operating in the wisdom and grace of God. And we see this in the storyline also of of Joseph, right? He shares with them the wisdom of God that God gave him. He doesn't do it in the greatest way. His brothers get jealous. They put him in a pit. They sell him into slavery, right? Jesus, he comes. He comes with the wisdom. He comes in a spirit of grace and truth, it says in John 1. He comes and he shares the wisdom of God. He unpacks the truth. And then what, what happens? He's operating in a spirit of grace and power, and we crucify him because we're jealous. There's a lot of envy. And so in cultures like that, this is what, this is what you see. It says, this is not wisdom that comes from above. This is earthly, it's unspiritual, it's demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there will be disorder in every vile practice. And I've, I've been reading this book. It's super encouraging. Um, it's written, it's kind of about the, the, the journey that Joseph's on. And the writer in this book, he, he says that this term bitter jealousy in James is used in the New Testament. It's the Greek word zealous, which translated zeal. It means harsh, contentious rivalry. Have you guys ever been in a situation where there's like rivalry? I, I see it all the time in my house. I got three children. There's always a fight over who's going to get what, when they're going to get it, how fair the distribution is. Like it's just, it's so easy, right? It's, <laughs> it's amazing. And there's also lots of grace that's given, especially by my eldest. She has this way about her by which she lovingly shepherds her brothers. Um, 
James couples this word zealous with another interesting word, which is the word uh, arathia or selfish ambition. This word is used to describe those who election for office. So it's the same word that's used to describe those who are courting a popular applause. They're manipulating, they're doing partisan politics. It's a fractitious spirit. And so this cocktail of harsh zeal and frenzied activity, he writes, and fierce rivalry, drive for control, desire for power can have devastating results on the lives of those around us. So where this exists, James says, there will be disorder in every vile practice. So we see this, right? Because then in this next chapter, what are they going to do to Stephen? They're going to stone him. They're going to pick up rocks and they're going to kill one of one of their, their own, I would say. And so where that exists, and so the Lord gives us uh, a remedy for that. He says, wisdom from above is pure and peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So just take that one with you, James 3, 13 through 18. I just encourage you, read through that, unpack that a little bit, ask the Holy Spirit to drop some heavenly wisdom on you because we need it. Tracking with me? Okay. Well, I don't want to, I don't want to put you to sleep here. So um, gazing upon him, verse 15. So Stephen's standing there. It says they're gazing upon him. Everybody who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. This is what happens when we begin to look and behold the gaze and beauty of the uncreated one who began to shine. Philippians 1, Philippians 2, verse 13, it talks about that he's made us lights shining in this world. Jesus says we're a light set on the hill, on the hill. And then it just made me think of Moses, right? When he gets the law of God revealed to him, he comes down to the mountain. They're like, it says in the scripture, it says he was um, talking with God. And when he came down, they were afraid of coming near him because his face was shining. It was like ghost-like. It was like, whoa, what's going on? So you can see when somebody's been spending time gazing at Jesus. Does that make sense? So the more we gaze at him, the more we'll be like him. And um, I don't know, just a perfect way to demonstrate this or illustrate this is um, Sometimes I don't always shave and I don't like really grow an aggressive beard. So I just have like, my kids call them scruffies. And, um, and so um, recently I walked into the room, it was one morning and I like, it's like, it's not much. So that's why probably why they call them scruffies. And uh, I had shaved and I come in and my son's like looking at me, he's like, what did you do dad? And, uh, and he like was commenting on like, I was trying to figure out what was going on. And then I realized like, oh, oh I just shaved. I haven't like shaved in a couple of days. He's noticing the difference in my face and he comes in and he wants to feel my face, right? Feel this side of my face and uh and so then he begins to try to explain in his three-year-old lingo like why i decided to shave my scruffies off and his explanation was is that i didn't want the wind to blow them and i didn't quite make sense of that but he noticed the change in my face just by like shaving so i know it's an imperfect illustration probably a better one is um every year um david you're like my number one sermon illustration this morning so i hope that's okay um david grows out his beard and so two times in a row Two times in a row, he's come in and my kids have not recognized him after he shaved. <laughs> and it's been awesome. And so we're going to go for three next year and uh, we'll see what happens if they catch on. Uh, but it's this idea, his face was changed and it caught their attention. And so my face had been transformed slightly. It was enough to catch my son's attention. Um, let's bring it back to Jesus. He's on the Mount of Transfiguration. He sees the Father and his face begins to shine, right? So there's a, there's a noticeable difference when we look into the Father, our our, our Face begins to shine, and it allows us to be a witness to Jesus. And so I, I've got a couple of takeaways for us this morning, and I think I'm going to stop there and have the team come on up and, uh, and just minister to us this morning. Uh, let's let the Lord do, do, do what he wants to do. But um, just, I just want to kind of leave us with these, these three things here. In 2 Corinthians 3, um, Paul is writing to the Corinthians, and he says that we are letters from Christ. So our lives are a reflection of Jesus. 
And so that's what we're seeing in Stephen right here. We're seeing the reflection of Jesus in his life. He's operating in grace and power, full of the Holy Spirit wisdom. He's refuting and disputing. And then his face is just shining. Like he's just glowing. Like what a beautiful picture. And so Paul says that we're letters from Christ written with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of, of stone, but on our human hearts. So the Lord writes his story on our hearts. And so all of us have a unique story. Um, everywhere we go in this room, all of us have family, we have friends, we have coworkers, and we all are a letter to them. Does that make sense? You tracking with me? So God's writing our story through us. We're a letter. Two, we're ministers of a new covenant. The law kills, right? The law kills. All the laws. We can't live up to the law. We can't. We just can't. Would you all agree with me? Can you obey all ten commandments and more? Right? Like <laughs> no. So Jesus came. He came in a spirit of grace and truth, and we have a new covenant. We have this grace, this unmerited favor, not just the ability to be forgiven of our sins. Yes, Gary's grace accomplishes that, but it also accomplishes the ability to, to run the race, to be faithful to the assignment God's given us. So we're ministers of a new covenant. And number three, beholding Jesus is what transforms us into his likeness. It says in Corinthians 3.18, it says, yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lays on their face. But when one turns to the Lord, say that with me, turns to the Lord, turns to the Lord. The veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of God, are being transformed into the same image, from one degree of glory to another. Simplified, when we look at Jesus, and the Spirit of God is living in us, there's a freedom that comes, and we're able to be transformed into his likeness. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop there. I'm going to invite the team to come up this morning. Um, hopefully, our hearts have been encouraged, um, and I guess takeaways this morning would be let's get filled up, right, with the Holy Spirit. Let's get filled up. We need to be filled up. Would you all agree with me? How are we doing? Are we, is this computing anywhere? Hopefully this is like deep truth that sets in later. Um, we need to get filled up, and so how do we do that? Um, I think if you were to ask Stephen, that's what I was asking, I was like, if I was to be there with Stephen, Stephen, how did you get full of grace and power? And um, I think it's it's that he placed a high value. There's two things. We, got, we get filled up by being with the Lord. And that, that can look like a lot of different things for a lot of us, but I think it means that we are willing to carve out time to spend with him in his word. We've got to be in his word. I know we probably all know this, but do we actually value it, right? Because of what we value, we really value being in God's word, being with him, then our calendar should reflect it, right? Just to get, this is getting in my grill. Like, this is for real. Like, right, if I really value being with Jesus, then let's look, come take a look at my calendar. Come take a look at my finances. Come take a look at the things which actually show what I value. And so I've been doing a hard look at that. Um, and I think the thing that the Lord would want us to do is he wants us to get filled up so that we can then get out and go. Does that make sense? So we want to get filled up. And we can get out and go. And um, this verse really came to me. It's, it's Jeremiah 2, 12 to 13. It says, my people have committed two evils. And this is really convicting my heart this morning. It says, they've forsaken the fountain of living water and they've hewn out cisterns for themselves. Broken cisterns that can hold no water. And I think the Lord was just highlighting that for me because oftentimes I think we think we can do this thing on our own. And that's what that means to build cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns. We can't build anything that's sustainable on our own. And we can't be 
operating without the fountain of living water. And so I just want to ask God to come this morning to, to fill us up. So let's just take a moment. Let's get before the Lord. And um, let's just ask him to come fill us up. God, I just ask that you come fill us up this morning. God, we're, we don't want to forsake the living waters, which is you, Jesus. We don't want to do things in our own strength. God, we don't want broken cisterns. God, we can't build anything that's sustainable without your grace and your help. God, we want you to come and just do the work in our hearts. God, would you loosen our grip on things? God, would you loosen the grip that we have on whatever it is? And God, if if we're anxious about something, if we're struggling with something, God, if we're just like struggling to even be awake and excited about what you're doing, God, I pray you to awaken our hearts this morning. God, that you'd help us to be awake. God, would you wake us up this morning? God, that we'd get filled up from you. Nothing else would stand in the way. Nothing else would be filling us up. God, it would be you, the living water. God, would you show us where we've built broken cisterns, God, where we've tried to do things in our own strength this morning? God, would you reveal that to us this morning? God, we're asking. God, we're asking for help, Jesus. We're asking for help. I'm just going to have the worship team just lead us for a minute, and then uh, we'll take a minute and do communion together. Sound good? So just sit before the Lord. Just ask him. Ask the Lord this question. Lord, where am I getting filled up, and how do you want to fill me up? That would just be the question. Just go before the Lord. Ask him. God, how am I currently getting filled up, and how do you want to shift my heart so I'm getting filled up from you? Sound good? So just sit before the Lord. Team, lead us into the presence.